Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station, right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. Jelly Cleaver, how art thou? I'm very nice, Beth Hopkins, and how are you? I'm very nice. Too. I love the way you answered that. I'm very nice today. Well, you know. Yeah. Everyone's always really nice. And hello, lovely listeners. I hope you are also nice today. <laughs> you are listening to Soho Radio, and we are, we call it Yes. Yes. And we're coming at you from our lounge because we live together in a big jazz house. So today on our virtual sofa, I am very pleased to be interviewing Alan Elliot Williams, who is a guitarist and composer and vocalist living in the beautiful realm of Bristol. And he happens to be part of one of mine and Jelly's favourite ever bands that we go on about every single episode, Waldo's Gift. Hey, Alan, how's it going? Good evening. I'm good. (laughs) How are you doing? I'm very well. I'm seriously over the moon to be interviewing you because yeah me and Jelly seem to mention you on literally every episode of We Call It Yaz and I'm not even joking and we just fangirl you yeah literally (laughs) we we just like every every episode we're like hey have you seen what Waldo's Gift are doing Uh, (laughs) so oh man that's so nice I'm very happy to be uh, interviewing you and also I'm very happy to be here uh, being interviewed oh I'm glad it's a bit weird that you being in Bristol and us being in London but you know, we're waving from afar. I'll just grow my hand like 20 times the size and you'll be able to see me waving. So, yeah, <laughs> it'd be fine. And I'm super excited to be talking to you, especially as you've just released the sickest EP ever with Blackacre Records, which is awesome. And it's called The Hut. How do you feel about that release? Must be weird in lockdown <laughs> releasing a sick EP. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, it feels... It feels amazing. It, the whole thing kind of came together um, at the beginning of lockdown, actually. Um, we, we'd, we'd basically written this whole EP uh, at the start of the year. We'd had it finished by February, um, at least. And then, uh, yeah, the, the whole Blackacre thing, that kind of took shape around, um, I think it was March and April. Same. So as the world was sort of slowly dwindling into chaos, we all kind of had a little bit of a, a morale boost, which was super nice because obviously we went from gigging every week together mm. to having nothing. So actually, yeah, it was it was super reassuring, affirming, validating um, to to have that come together. And yeah, we're really excited about it. That's lush. So you say you, you'd already had it written. So had you recorded it already by February or had you just composed it? We had everything recorded by then. We oh. were we were basically good to go. Um, it, it, the recording process was kind of 
unorthodox in a way because we basically um we basically uh, uh, as you know but uh, many people don't uh, we spent most of our time together improvising music over the past few years we, mm. we we were just the first album we released was entirely improvised so with this uh with this recording we kind of decided to do something a little bit more composed a bit more refined and we um we basically kind of took some of our improvs refined them turned them into tunes and recorded them uh yeah recorded them sort of towards the end of last year and the beginning of this year um so yeah we were we were basically all set to go by by february so by the time the kind of black acre stuff was on the horizon um we were kind of pretty much ready to yeah take the world by storm that's awesome and you have definitely taken the world by storm I mean, well it's funny it it it, just, it it feels it feels great but without the gigs it's mm. it's all very it all feels very um i mean it's all online isn't it pretty much it all so feels, it feels a bit feels like very up abstract. in the headspace of life you yeah know, like, absolutely is, is this yeah, real way to put it. it's real life yeah yeah <laughs> it's it, yeah it's funny because uh, just having it all online it does feel like you can see people are engaging and, and and people are talking about it but somehow without that kind of performative aspect and that kind of catharsis that you get when you you tour a release and mm. and and you get to actually share it with people uh with that lacking you know there was for me personally at least there there was a bit of a, a kind of emptiness in that but but yeah. really uh, I was just kind of overjoyed to actually finally be releasing this, to be honest with you. Um, So, yeah. So did you think about the tunes and how they would sound in a live context when you were writing them? Because obviously before you just improvised everything and it wasn't thinking, Mm. oh, we'll be performing this again. But with this one, you're kind of moving away from that improvised side. Are you thinking, right, this will be a banger. Everyone will be singing this in live or... How did you go about it? We were... We were kind of thinking a bit more about this being accessible isn't uh, always a a good word to use but (laughs) definitely I mean having released and having played I mean there's there's kind of so much that's happened under the surface from the public eye with us Mm. that maybe kind of makes this a little it would make a little bit more sense so the fact that we had this we've had this um residency in bristol uh, an amazing venue called the gallimorphy for well we had it for for you know th- upwards of three years and uh um yeah we, we we spent many weeks just improvising and we really kind of turned it into turned that into a craft and, and a kind of language you know we, we were able to practice this together through a gig every single week mm. um, and not only that we were reworking music by our favorite producers and composers and, and having really big rewarding beautiful gigs every week in Bristol yeah. um, and, you know doing that for three years um, we kind of felt like with the improv stuff we'd really taken that quite far and we'd released our first album which was a live album called Improvisations. You can see that on 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 Spotify and Bandcamp and everything. Um, and for us, we really feel like we felt at the time like we'd reached a kind of peak of that, at least mm. in in the total improvised format. Um, and so we wanted to release that album to really sh- kind of chronicle the stuff we'd been doing at the Gallimorphy. Um And then by that by that point, you know, we're talking three years down the line. Um, we really felt like, okay, this was fun. This was great. And we've explored a lot. We've grown a lot as musicians and and we've grown a lot as a trio, but now I think to make this and to share our sound with more people, we could do with refining it, making it a little bit more accessible, I think. And, and kind of, you know, just making tunes, um, as opposed to, 
you know, I think <laughs> I think the second improv on the first album is like ten minutes long. So there's a lot of <laughs> self indulgent stuff going on there. But but yeah, it, we it was there was a conscious thing of let's let's see if we can refine this style that we've spent so long crafting um, and and share it with with more people and make it kind of a much more concise, honest, authentic musical statement, which is. Uh, which is why we decided to transcribe our improvisations was because we felt that would probably be the much, uh, the most authentic way to, to do it, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah. it's like an art form within itself. I think that you've, you've kind of developed there because you must have such trust in your other musicians, you know, with Harry mm. Stoneham and James Vine who play alongside you and Waldo's gift. Like you, you guys must know each other completely inside out to be able to improvise every single week you know, or rework artists as well for three mm. years. I mean, that's mad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it feels bad. It feels, we feel incredibly lucky to have been given that opportunity by um, James Cock. He's the uh, owner of the galley. Uh, he he kind of uh, approached James many years ago. Uh, James approached me, I approached Harry. We kind of formed for a residency at which, uh, you know, at that time, three, four years ago, we were basically a kind of a sort of math rock uh, band who wrote, yes. we wrote a whole, we wrote a whole EP and we didn't release it. We have a whole really? EP that we never released. Yeah. Yeah. We Whoa. were actually thinking of, we were thinking of releasing that under a different name and just like being this mystery band, but I don't think, I don't <laughs> think that's going to happen. Um, yeah. But uh, what's, we, it, what's it cool? What kind of stuff can we hear? God, you have to show me some of this, Alan. Oh, you can't just man. say that. <laughs> the only people that, that will know of that stuff are the people that were the OGs that they were there at the galley <laughs> Like when we first started out, we were playing tunes um, and uh, yeah, we love that stuff. But um, yeah, we kind of uh, we kind of we kind of had to move on from that. And and uh, basically what happened is we started improvising because we didn't have enough time each week. to just, <laughs> we, we couldn't just play the same set every week. And we started doing that. We're like, this is fucking boring for people uh we need to m m sort of shake it up a bit yeah so then we started doing reworks which was nice and then we were like oh we really need to we really need to kind of fill another week so i think and i remember maybe on one night we our, our set was short or something we were like all right let's just let's just make something up let's just let's just go for it and i remember the feeling of that for all of us we all kind of agreed was so um so powerful and oh. we got the best reaction from the crowd on the improv one as well so that was really when we started doing that more and more and then we had entire nights dedicated to improvisation we also had entire nights dedicated to improvising alongside uh art uh paint on canvas with uh mm. incredible incredible uh painter uh, singer uh, uh, front person of ishmael ensemble halesius fly she would uh she would uh, paint along to improvisation so improvisation became a uh, a much bigger deal for us and then we were just kind of right let's you know by the time we did that for a year we were like let's release an album of pure improvised stuff so that's yeah so that's sick. kind of kind well, of it's it came so from. innovative i mean there's not really any bands out there that are playing music at its most raw form you know mm. and also weekly as as a live gig and that's amazing that the audience were so taken by the improvised stuff as well because you might not expect that you know to to suddenly have an audience that are completely with you and almost part of it, you know, I suppose, mm. especially, I mean, I think, an audience yeah. in Bristol, they, you know, they're, they're very on board. So <laughs> it's mm. a very welcoming place to play. Um, I think you, you touched on why it felt so great, actually. It's because 
they 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 were and are part of it you know mm. every every time we improvised there i mean mainly in the improvs it really felt like everyone was together it wasn't really about us as much i know that's a very kind of it almost sounds contrived to say and i'm trying to be too kind of modest but it, but it was it was it did feel like an actual dialogue and mm. it, it everyone was involved we were involved the audience was involved the bar staff were involved um the whole thing just kind of became became one event um yeah. and, and and we really felt that when we would improvise we'd be on the edge of our seats the audience would be on the edge of their seats the bar staff would be you know uh, kind of making a load of noise and they you know we'd all be kind of we'd all be sharing this moment together um mm. and nobody knew what was going to happen and i think actually sharing that fact of nobody had any idea what was going to come next including us <laughs> was a kind of uniting factor in a way 100% I mean the energy I can feel the energy of you describing it from here like I can feel like I'm in sat in the room and it's buzzing and everyone's yeah I'm, I'm getting nostalgic it's it's <laughs> I feel a part of my soul has has uh has gone somewhere at least for a time but yeah it's 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 kind of been strange not to have that for yeah. the past I mean year man yeah almost under a year but still yeah it's it's it was it was a special time for sure and uh yeah we we, we long for those days to return Definitely. I mean, so you say that you didn't actually form like as Waldo's gift at the start. You kind of just formed, came together for a residency. Do you feel like you kind of became a bit of a moving entity because you, you had did so many collaborations with other artists? And as you say, like people at Halizis Fly. And um, I mean, I know that a couple of saxophone players and like a couple of people from Ishmael Ensemble jumped on hmm. every few weeks, like Bethany Sterning, who's Stanley. I know that she jumped on like, hmm. you know, is it? Was it important for Waldo's Gift to develop with other artists and other art forms? One hundred percent. That was that was really that was really the whole. It became the whole point. I mean, we we really wanted to um, involve and uh, capitalize on on the talent that that was just immediately surrounding us in Bristol um, and and put on incredible nights, um, nights that would never happen again, um, and nights that that you know people would remember you know there was so much so much talent around us and and we kind of we we really made a, a an attempt to learn from the other musicians on the scene mm. um and uh, in a way of uh, in a way of having a conversation with each other and, and and those would often manifest in in nights like for example i remember we we reworked a whole load of bjork tunes mm. uh bjork is it bjork i think you meant to say bjork Oh, really? It's Bjork, Bjork, isn't it? Yeah, it's not Bjork. It's Bjork. Oh, Bjork. Man, I've I think I've been told off. I've always said Bjork. I think I think, I think you've got to say it like your northern Bjork. Bjork, Bjork. Yeah, Bjork. <laughs> um, but, but you know, stuff like that. We, we did a whole night of Bjork tunes with 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 uh, Bethany Stenning from Stanley, who's yeah. an incredible. She's an incredible force. Um, you know, and that was that was a learning experience for all of us. We were all kind of. Um, on the edge there trying things you know having a week to rehearse trying outlandish arrangements and then you know doing it on a night where we're all basically shitting ourselves uh you know uh, <laughs> uh, doing that again and again and again and again with yeah. so many people and pushing ourselves to the limits and yeah also of course doing we we you know god get nostalgic but we we also did in rainbows um oh my god, and i think we did that favorite we did, albums. yeah we did that with we, we it was like it was the three of us but then we also had um 
Uh, we had Elliot Ellison from from Cousin Cooler and uh, a band called Tamison uh, singing a lot of that with us. And also we had uh, Pete Cunningham from Ishmael Ensemble mm. uh, doing a bunch of those. So, yeah, it, it really did feel like um, we kind of... Uh, we kind of made the most of a kind of collective of mm. musicians that were, were there, but it weren't necessarily forming a whole as of yet and we do really feel like we 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 created so many relationships with that with that night and um yeah yeah it was a special time god i'm getting emotional i i mean i feel it i feel it this side i'm going i mean, i've got I, a cup of tea here i need a glass of brandy <laughs> I need a glass of brandy and a mince pie <laughs> oh mince pie don't mention i know them. i'm saying god, oh. i was saying I, I actually think this year is the one year where it's actually permissible to get way too excited about Christmas way too early. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, fair enough. Like, like 100%. it's mid-November and you're eating a mince pie and you're having some brandy. You're living like, your best life. Fair enough. It's, it's been a shit year. Like, you deserve to do that. <laughs> you deserve to do that in September, you know. Like 100%. Yeah, I've been chaining yeah. the mince pie, mince pie since March, actually. I just didn't oh, really? tell anyone. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> that would be extreme. Although I was out on a walk earlier and someone had their Christmas tree up. I was like, fair play. Soon as Halloween's really? over, shoved it up. Yeah. yeah, I think that I think that's great. Respect, respect for that. <laughs> respect. Yeah. <laughs> so I've actually been meaning to ask you this question for ages because you yeah. are you have the most incredible setup with you and your guitar, mm. right? Your oh, pedal thanks. board is like the stuff of dreams, and I'm not even a guitarist. Okay, so <laughs> like it, when you're playing or when you're experimenting live or improvising, how much are you experimenting with your pedal board, and how much do you know? What's going to happen? Like, do you press a button and think, I know what's going to happen there, you know, if I play mm. this and this? Or are you also, expe- like, is that your second instrument that you're experimenting with as well? Yeah, I'd say it's a real it's a real mix. Um, but the beauty of the kind of setup I have now is that there's, um, there's a, a large and significant element of chance there and, and kind mm. of uh, just not really knowing what's going to happen. I mean, at the moment I'm using... Uh, my setup actually updated since lockdown. I have two pedals by an incredible company called Hologram Electronics, and uh, I'm using uh, their Infinite Jets and also their latest uh, kind of granular delay uh, micro looper pedal called the Microcosm. And uh, both both are just extremely complex and wonderful, especially in tandem with each other. Uh, they're wonderful instruments into themselves. And yeah, a lot of the time it is kind of like, I have no idea what this is going to sound like. <laughs> You know, I'll, I'll, I, I use two loopers, so I'll often have a looper before these two pedals and I will play a loop in and have, you know, a certain setting on both the pedals and I can just get like an infinite amount of variations from that one loop um, and I have no Sick. idea what it's going to sound like. Um, so there's, that's super fun, uh, especially with the improvised stuff. That's it's a really fun way to play, mixing up that kind of really considered... Uh, uh, you know, kind of conscious, almost composed approach where you're really sure of what you're playing and what it's going to sound like, but then also that very almost aleatoric, chance-based, sort of mm. um, random, chaotic element. And, uh, yeah, it's, 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 a really, it's a really fun way to play. The way you kind of describe that is almost how I see your uh, music taste because... I know mm. from knowing you personally and going to uni with you in Southampton, like I know that you ah, listen yeah. to a seriously eclectic load of music <laughs> from like, mm. you know, really early, like beautiful classical, you know, like really mm. nice symphonies and stuff all the way through to, as you say, yeah, extreme math rock or like, 
you know, yeah, heavy yeah. metal and stuff. I mean, how how did you merge your your huge collection of genres with that of James's and Harry's to create the sound that you do? Mm, mm. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think, uh, yeah, it, because because it began entirely improvised, we, it was really just free reign for us to be able to to do this stuff. There was no, there was no precedent there was no sense of um really there was no sense of we should be sounding like this we need to be composing music like this because we were improvising so really there was no kind of um at least initially there was no idea there was no um you know it, it was just we were just playing in the moment with our setups and whatever we had and whatever would come out would come out and that would naturally be a product of you know everything each of us had been listening to how mm. we'd been feeling that day what we'd eaten you know how uh, you know uh the kind of relationships we were having at the time like everything that we would come out with would just be a product of where we were almost you know it could kind of sound a bit pretentious but it just feels like a very authentic way to do things and anyone that improvises will obviously tell you the same and but but it's kind of different when you're compose you're making the composition on the fly as well because you've got so much more to play with um so yeah I think for me I just kind of it was a real exercise in being able to trust and accept whatever would come out and yeah. you know uh whether whether my you know uh love of you know late 19th century classical music would come out uh, or not you know that's fine whether my love of like uh, you know, uh, ambient music, you know, um, or, or more experimental stuff, you know, naturally those things would come out, but there would be no element of, oh, I need to, I must, yeah, I'm aiming for that. I I want, but, and that's, that's a real kind of, it's a real liberating thing to be able to do that because it kind of removes, um, it kind of removes ego and, and the idea entirely, which is, which is, yeah, like I said, a really, really rewarding, uh, way to, way to play. You seem like you've actually achieved this kind of thing that we always talk about on our show, which is the reason we're called, we call it jazz, is because jazz Mm. is such a huge melting pot of so many different genres. And then also kind of challenging the word genre and like challenging the boxes that, you know, everyone seems to be put in. And you genuinely seem to have achieved that kind of free, free of genre aspect mm. which you know fair play uh, yeah. there's no, like no boundaries in it <laughs> i feel like that's becoming more and more common with just how complex the world is getting and, yeah. and and therefore how complex music is getting and how accessible music is at any place at any time people are just eating and soaking up all kinds of music that is yeah. now yeah. completely freely available so i think naturally that's going to manifest in, in in the way um music is being made and the kind of music that is being made i mean i guess for us we we don't take issue with the word jazz being used to describe us but we understand how the word has evolved we understand how some may have issue with it being used to describe us others maybe not so much I, i don't tend to think about it too much but um i guess for us and for me i i mean for me personally just to speak um on that level i've always 
use the word jazz to kind of describe the sort of thing that Bill Evans used to talk about when he he would talk about the universal mind and he'd talk about the idea that, you know, jazz in itself was super responsible for kind of uh, uh, rebirthing improvisation as an Mm. art form, um, Mm. regardless of style. So kind of the idea of just uh, of improvisation taking center stage. Um, But, you know, it's like when you listen to jazz from Sweden and Norway often a lot of the time, you know, it's 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 very different. And and the kind of language is a little bit different and it it maybe doesn't swing the same or whatever. But the the uniting factor is this kind of um, this kind of commitment to the moment, um, which I've always been really. uh, Yeah, I've always been really enamored with that kind of view of things of, of, you know, it's 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 an approach to playing music and its approach to practicing music yeah. um, that is centered around improvisation. And that, and that in itself is, uh, I mean, I, I kind of often use the word jazz to talk about anything like that, you know, to, wh- whether it kind of often, whether, it, I don't know, Marsalis wouldn't agree, but whether it kind of <laughs> swings or not, you know, um, yeah. but you know, that's, that's yeah. Different strokes, different folks. Having the description of jazz as a commitment to the moment is possibly the most beautiful statement I've ever heard, Alan. <laughs> that was stunning. <laughs> so that was just, yeah, that's it. Commitment to the moment. And um, I suppose you guys completely embody that phrase, you know, in, in all that you've done. So, yeah, hats off to you. It's, you yeah, create so something much. really beautiful. And, you know, there's so many artists that kind of uh, have evolved around you as well. And you've you've all come up together and that's... Part of part of the jazz scene at the moment that's happening in the UK, you know, it's actually mm. heavily based on community, um, and everyone bringing Absolutely. each other up. So, yeah, that's lush. Yeah. Well, Great. just before we finish, um, so your EP is is called The Hut. I've got a mm-hmm. really important question about one of your other tracks, which is called Jabba. Okay. Oh yeah. Did yeah. you did you did you do that on purpose that there's a track called Jabba and there's a track called The Hut, as in Jabba the uh, Hut? Uh, Absolutely not. No, <laughs> total chance. No, um, no. I think I think we were aware of the potential, uh, you know, talk of being a sort of a, a clandestine kind of Star Wars uh, <laughs> jazz band, you know, trying to get these subliminal Star Wars messages out. But no, uh, no, that 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 wasn't the case. But um, yeah, the hut, the hut is an interesting one. Uh, the hut was actually named the hut uh, because. Well, there are a few reasons, but mainly because uh, on the day of writing it, my card got cloned, um, and the oh first God. thing, yeah, yeah, we were we were literally writing it, and I had to leave the rehearsal room for twenty minutes to sort out these bastards that were trying to <laughs> that literally managed to get into my account, answer oh. all the questions, get in, and the first thing they did was spend forty quid at Pizza Hut. It's the first <laughs> thing they did, and I and I literally remember coming back into the room just being like, they've been to they've been to Pizza Hut. And they changed my password to Nando's. And I was just like, these people, these people, absolutely awful. So yeah, that's uh, those are the beautiful, profound origins of the name of our, uh, of our EP. The hut is actually short for Pizza Hut. Well, okay, well, well, no. So this is how we this is how we kind of justify it, and and so we don't just become some sort of like pizza sponsor band. Um, <laughs> Please it, get that it, it was actually it was so so that was a kind of side thing, but then we sort of realised that that. It, it's sort of using the hut to symbolize uh, the home that we'd made for ourselves here in Bristol um, and oh, kind of kind of to talk about us coming out of it. And uh, and and also the artwork was totally by chance looked like a kind of a hut that that in in Halicia's Fly's beautiful abstract style. So it all kind of came together. OK, I, I won't 
go around telling people that you're actually named after Pizza Hut then. <laughs> yeah, no, please don't. That would really, really cramp our image. I will not, I will not. Um, but yeah, to everyone listening to this beautiful interview, uh, Alan and, and James and Harry literally have created something stunning. So please go and listen to their, well, copious amounts of releases, including some really cool ones off compilation album New Horizons, which is just like amazing Bristol scene. So go and check that out. Um, but yeah, The Hut is their latest EP just released. And um, I want to do a special shout out to the final song of it because, oh my goodness, it is stunning. And you just put that on. It's called Tiny Chapter. Turn all the lights off and get them on your headphones really loud and just like immerse yourself in that beautiful liquid music. <laughs> so, Alan, thank you so, so much for speaking to me today. We're going to play out with Song for Margaret from The Hut and we'll be definitely seeing you soon, hopefully, <laughs> somehow between Bristol and London. <laughs> thank you so much. Thanks, Alan. Thanks, Alan.